need somebody to take about 30 seconds and just reach back and remember what God has done for you and give him a shout of praise tonight. Hallelujah. Somebody ought to push your neighbor. Tell him neighbor. Tell him you don't know like I know what the Lord has done for me. So if you ain't gonna give him praise, baby, you can sit back and watch me. I've got to praise you. Tuesday night uh, and y'all ain't supposed to be acting this crazy but you understand the problem with many today uh, is that they have short term memory loss they don't remember what God has brought them out of and when God first found them uh, boy you couldn't hold them down uh, thank God for bringing me out uh, thank God for saving me uh, thank God for delivering me but all of a sudden God starts blessing them a little bit uh, and now your car ain't leaving oil puddles in the parking lot but you're driving a newer model and now you ain't wearing clothes from the Goodwill, uh, but you're shopping at the mall for your stuff. Uh, and you're going to sit up in the house of God looking cute uh, like you got it all together. Uh, and your mouth is closed uh, and your hands are at the baby. The devil is uh, a liar. Uh, I can't forget where he brought me from. Uh, I can't forget uh, what he's done for me. Uh, you might see me now, but you should have seen me uh, when God, I just need about 30 people in the building who aren't a Hey, yeah. You see, this was the basis of the psalmist praise when he said, bless the Lord. Oh my soul and all that's within me bless his holy name and I like the next part he said bless the Lord oh my soul and forget not all of his benefits whatever you do don't forget the benefits of God when I look back over my life and I see where it brought me from. I've got to dance. I've got to shout. I've got to run the aisles. Maybe you ain't got a reason to praise him, but I shouldn't even be here tonight. I've got to, I wish somebody would give him praise in this. I know it's Tuesday, but you might as well go ahead and praise him like you remember his goodness. Praise him.
think about Jesus, what he's done for me. When I think about Jesus, how his face set me free. Can dance, 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 dance. Can dance, 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 dance. I can dance. They brought you through to run, 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 run. You run, 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 you run. Tell them I'm more than a conqueror. Come on, tell them, tell them I'm more than a conqueror. Hey. Woo! Anybody else feel that in the building tonight? You excited to be in the house of the Lord on Tuesday night? Shout yes! Shout yes! Clap your hands one more time and give him a great big praise tonight. Amen. You can be seated if you can tonight. Welcome to Tuesday night at the Rock Church. 
Praise the Lord. We just having a little Bible study here tonight, and uh, we're glad you came to gather with God's people. Amen. In the house of the Lord, and we're thankful to be able to sing a song or two and give Him the praise. <laughs> Is anybody happy in this place tonight? Tell your neighbor the joy of the Lord is your strength. Somebody ought to flex on the devil tonight. If you know the joy of the Lord is your strength, you ought to just flex on the enemy with a Holy Ghost smile tonight. You ought to just, despite what you've been through, despite what he threw at you, despite what he tried to do, the joy of the Lord is, it is got the joy of the Lord in this place tonight. My, 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 my. I feel the victory of the Holy Ghost in this place tonight. Welcome to all of our guests that are with us on Tuesday night. Rock Church, would you help me lend your hands and your voices? Uh, help me welcome all of our guests in the house of the Lord tonight. Amen. We are so excited that you're here with us to those who are streaming online tonight. We're grateful that you tuned in to see what God is doing in this place tonight. And uh, there's no telling what God's going to do before we leave this place. Amen. I mean, you can be seated if you want to. Some of y'all ready to run the aisles again. You say, I'm sick of getting down and getting back up. I'm ready for the next run. I'm ready for the next day. Somebody said, if you stay ready, you ain't got to get ready. So I'm ready to give God the praise. I'm ready. I'm re That's why I ain't sitting down. That's why I'm not. <laughs> hey. I'm so excited tonight to have my mama with us all the way from Colorado. Would you help me give a great big welcome tonight to Sister Alice Garcia. This is my mama. Come on, show her some love tonight. Amen. I would not be here literally if it wasn't for her. And uh, we love her. We're excited she's here tonight. And uh, what a privilege and an honor it is to have my nephew and my niece, brother and sister Montez, with us tonight. And their two precious babies, Josiah and Elena. Come on, would you help me show them some love tonight? Amen. Brother Montez is, was sitting in with the band tonight. He is a, a very, very gifted and anointed uh, musician. But not only is he a gifted and anointed musician, but he is a powerful and anointed man of God and a very gifted preacher of the gospel. And uh, I want him to just come and greet this congregation tonight. How many of you love Brother and Sister Montez? Come on, nephew. God bless you, Rock Church. I don't, I don't have a lot of time, and I don't know where to start. I don't want to start calling names because I'll forget somebody, but I'm glad to have family in the house tonight. 
And I've just made up my mind that living for God and being part of the family of God is the best life we could ever live. I love your pastor. He's my uncle, but your pastor. And his wife, my Aunt Barbara. Auntie Ned, I didn't forget you over there. I love you so much. There I go calling names. If you're, if you're in the family, I love you. And if you're here tonight, I love you. Um, at lunch today, I got nervous because Pastor reached over my shoulder and said, Well, I was going to teach on holiness, but now that you guys are in town. And I was like, No, 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 no. I want to hear Pastor teach and preach tonight. But if you'll give me just a couple of minutes, I want to share something. I was on the way flying in tonight or to this morning and I was reading a book and uh, some scriptures were in the book dealing with spiritual authority. And there are different applications of spiritual authority, but what God was dealing with me about today is the authority that we have as children of God because of the word of God. And if you're here tonight and you're struggling with sickness in your body, you need to break open the Word of God. And you need to read these scriptures over yourself that by His stripes I am healed. And He sent His Word and healed all of their diseases. There's authority and power in the Word of God. If you're here tonight and you might be struggling financially, you need to dig into these scriptures and find out that my God can supply all of your need according to His riches and glory. It's not up to my employer. It's not up to my business, but it's my God's riches and He supplies all of my needs. You need to find scriptures that will tell you that I am the head and not the tail, above and not beneath the lender and not the borrower and you need to believe the word of God but we know that we know that the word that was in the beginning John said was with God and was God and that word became flesh and dwelt among us and that word the name is Jesus Christ and the fullness of the Godhead is in that name And not only do we have authority because of the word of God, but we have authority because of the name of our God. And we ought to never become complacent with just taking for granted the power that's in the name of Jesus Christ. Because God has given him a name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. It's every knee of sickness and every knee of oppression and every knee of depression and every knee of addiction and every knee of authority and power bows when we call on the name of Jesus Christ. And I feel His Spirit here right now. If you need a healing in your body, if you need a touch in your mind, if you need provision, if you need to feel the arms of a loving Father wrapped around you, why don't you take a couple minutes right now and just call on the name that is 
deal above every name the name that demons tremble when we mention it the name that sickness has to flee the name where all victory is in the name that is above every name in the name of Jesus somebody one more time give God a praise for his name amen amen thank God for the revelation of who Jesus is amen amen I also want to take a moment to say what a privilege it is to have back with us tonight brother and sister Condor and their precious family Sister Alyssa and Brother Corbin and Sister Brielle, would you help me give them a great big welcome back tonight? Have known this great man and his family for many, many years, and uh, they worked uh, alongside us very closely for many years in the home church, and I've watched this faithful family experience the hand of God's anointing upon them and the favor of God in their lives. They lead the Spanish work uh, there in Pueblo, Colorado, under the great leadership of none other, than, uh, none other than Bishop Elder. And we're glad they're in the house of the Lord tonight. We want him to come and greet this house tonight. Come on, Brother Condor, we love you. Come on, if God's been good to you, can you clap your hands? I wonder if we could just take a moment. Can you lift your voice? Oh, we love you. Thank you for authority. Thank you for your name. Thank you for your blood, God. Thank you for your mercy and your grace and your goodness. Hallelujah. We are so honored to be here tonight with you. Because, you know, one of the family members is getting married. We, we trucked it. We drove all the way across the United States to be here with you. Amen. And uh, we thought we'd come in on a Tuesday night to hear Bishop preach. And uh, we, are, we are delighted to hear that. Every morning when I get up, I pray for Bishop. I pray for First Lady. I pray for the leadership of this church. I pray for you wonderful saints of God every day. My prayer is that the anointing and the blessing overtake you. The Bible speaks in paraphrasing quickly. It says that there was a city and in the city was an unjust judge. And there came a widow who would cry day and night saying, Avenge me in my adversary. And the Bible says and describes this unjust judge as one who feared not God, nor regarded man. But it says that this widow continually came asking God or asking the judge, will you? And then Jesus goes on and he paints this picture and he asks a question and he says, will not God avenge his very elect? I believe some of us have that question in ourselves tonight. Will I see the answer to my prayer? Will I see my babies come back to the house of God? Will I see the revival in my family? 
And the Bible says, Jesus says this, yes, God will avenge his elect speedily. And I feel like telling somebody in this house, your time has come. The time is now. The prayer you've been praying for has come. The miracle you've been asking God for. I feel like telling you, it is now. I feel him in this house right now. And God's ready to move on your point of faith. But I believe if you're willing, God said, I'll do it speedily. Not tomorrow, not next week, but I'm right now. The time is now. It's right now. Somebody lift your hands and receive it in this house. Somebody ought to receive that right now in the building tonight. It's already done. It's already done. Hallelujah. Clap your hands and give them a praise. My God, we just passed them all the mic tonight. They could preach the house down. Amen. You can be seated for just a moment. I also want to take the opportunity to say what a privilege it is tonight to have Pastor and First Lady Jones back in the house of the Lord with us tonight. No strangers from, uh, to this house all the way from Jacksonville, Texas. And they brought their son Joshua. His girlfriend Julia is with them. And then Jocelyn and Hadassah are with us tonight. Would you help me one more time give a great big hand clap of welcome to Pastor and First Lady Jones. Amen, amen. Sister Mandy Jones, precious family, and uh, we love and appreciate them. And uh, I want to give you just one other announcement before we get into the house. The word of the Lord, and uh, in the way of an invitation, uh, I want to say that every single one of you are invited uh, to a great wedding this Friday. The wedding of my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased, and our precious daughter, Brother Isaac, Sister Tiana. They getting hitched this Friday. <laughs> we are going to be witnesses as they enter into holy deadlock, I mean wedlock. And, and uh, we're excited about what God is doing in their lives. Amen. Anybody excited about the word of the Lord tonight? Turn around to three people. Tell them I'm ready for the word of God in this place tonight. Come on, tell them I'm ready for the word of the Lord tonight. Holiness, holiness is what I long for. Stand with me for the ring of the word. Holiness. It's what I need. Holiness, holiness is what you want from me. Now would you lift your hands and just sing it like this? Come on, sing it. So take my heart and mold it. Take my mind transform me take my will conform me to yours 
to yours, oh Lord. Come on, lift your hands with me like this. Holiness, holiness is what I long for. Anybody else feel that way? Holiness is what I need. That's what I need. Holiness, holiness is what you want for me, for me. Come on, lift your voice up. So take my heart and mold it. Take my mind, transform it. Take my will, conform it to yours, to yours, oh Lord. Come on, tell him. Take my heart and mold it. Take my mind, transform it. Take my will, conform it to yours, to yours, oh Lord. Woo! Anybody feel that tonight? One verse of scripture tonight before you're seated. First Peter chapter 1 verse number 16 says, Because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. The past several Tuesday nights, we have been in a series on holiness. And if you have not been here, I encourage you to go back and watch on YouTube, get on SoundCloud, go to the podcast on iTunes, get you a CD, a cassette tape, an eight track or a vinyl record and get yourself caught up with what God's been doing here tonight. And uh, we want you to be a part of what God is showing us in the word of the Lord. And we have been studying holiness for the past few weeks and dealing with the idea of the word holiness, the idea of holiness in, in Scripture, and the understanding that when you study holiness, it is inextricably attached to several concepts in Scripture such as separation and sanctification and redemption. All of these thematic principles in Scripture play an integral role in the study of holiness and the understanding that the very word holiness comes from the word holy, W-H-O-L-L-Y. The completeness of a person in their consecration, their sanctification unto God. Amen, somebody. And so our, our first lesson that was in two parts, we talked about the whole man. And tonight we want to begin a new lesson. We'll probably break this up into a couple of parts. We want to talk about the inner man. Tell your neighbor, the inner man. 
No, 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 no. Find the other neighbor, the one that's paying attention and tell them, tonight we're going to learn about the inner man. Put your hands together one more time and give God a praise if you came ready for his word tonight. Amen. You may be seated. The fact that God commands us in his word, be ye holy, for I am holy, speaks not only to the property of his constituency as a holy God, but it also communicates to us the fact that if God commands us to be holy, then we in fact can live life in a way that is a holy life. I want to begin tonight by dispelling the pop culture uh, notice or the pop culture ideology of the church world today that holiness uh, is some idea that is uh, unattainable for God's people and that it is reserved for God alone as if uh, it is some non-communicable attribute of God. But I came to declare tonight uh, that we serve a holy God who wants a holy people be ye holy for I am holy the word be speaks to perfect present existentiality of our being to be holy but it is from that statement that we derive the concept of becoming. We are all in a process of becoming what God wants us to be. We are on a journey. Becoming is a compound word that deals with the existential state of now, but the word coming lends the idea of a journey to what is now present tense. There is a present perfect version of you that is perfectly holy before God. Untainted by the world, uh, unscarred by its effects, uh, perfect in how God made you in his uh, image. And we are all working towards uh, becoming the, the full stature of a person that God has created. That's why Paul said uh, that I am uh, apprehended of that which, uh, or I am apprehending that which I am apprehended of. Uh, he said, I am pressing uh, toward uh, the mark uh, for the prize of the high calling. Uh, I am working on being everything uh, that God has called me to be. I am working on uh, becoming uh, what God has called me to be. Be ye holy. It deals with our identity. God wants us to be a holy people. And so as we learned in our previous lessons, the idea of identity has a lot more to do with the wholeness of man than we often realize. Too many times we ascribe identity only to the outward appearance of something, often uh, negating or ignoring the powerful uh, revelation that our identity does not just come from what's without, uh, but as a matter of fact, it is even more greatly defined uh, by that which is inside of us. 
The writer of the book of Proverbs, chapter 23 and verse number 7, renders it like this. He says, for as a man thinketh in his heart. Now, we often refer to the idea of thought process as being connected to the brain. We think with our brain. But this scripture ties thought to the heart. You understand that when the Bible talks about the heart, it is dealing with the center of man, the center of the emotions of mankind. Now, I'm glad that we have that kind of an understanding because uh, in particular cultures and times, it was not always the heart that was used to express the center of man's emotion. As a matter of fact, you will find scripture, and if you study history, you will find that uh, there was a point in time when, uh, when writers and authors and poets described the center of man's emotions not with the heart, but with the bowels. One writer in the scripture describes uh, bowels of mercy. How many of you thank God we don't use that language anymore? It would be awkward to say, honey, I love you with all of my bowels. Heart sounds so much better. But when the scripture deals with the heart, it is dealing with the inner man. It is dealing with the spirit and the soul of mankind. And the writer of Proverbs says, For as a man thinketh, tell your neighbor, thinketh, in his heart, listen, so is he. It did not define who he was by the clothing he was wearing. It did not define him uh, by his appearance, uh, but it rather defines the center uh, of his identity uh, by the thought process uh, that is facilitated uh, by the inner man. As a man thinketh in his heart, uh, so is he. So can I just tell you for a moment tonight uh, that you cannot separate uh, your thoughts uh, from who you are. Your inside man uh, is almost more of an indicator of who you are uh, than your outside man is. Uh, now, lest I be misunderstood, uh, come, keep coming. We'll talk about the outside man uh, on another lesson. Uh, but tonight, we're going to talk about uh, the inside man. Uh, you understand that you can fool people uh, with the outside man. You can look like a nice person uh, and on the inside have a heart full of murder. You can look sweet and cute on the outside and on the inside be full of evil. Now, I know some of y'all just think about people outside of the church, uh, but you can be in this building tonight uh, tripping over your dress uh, and hateful as a snake uh, in your spirit. Uh, you can fool people uh, with the outside man, uh, but it is the inward man uh, that defines uh, who you really are. Uh, and if the inside man is one thing, uh, it will eventually show up uh, on the outside uh, because thoughts become actions uh, and actions become uh, behavior uh, and behavior becomes uh, your identity. 
You cannot separate your identity uh, from your behavior. I'm going to preach real good. You cannot call yourself a Christian and act like a sinner. You cannot separate your actions from your identity. And you cannot separate your thoughts from your actions. Before they were ever actions, they were thoughts in your mind and in your heart. And so it is with that simple understanding that if the inward man, in fact, is the core that defines who I am, and God tells me (coughs) to be holy, then that means I have the responsibility of bringing the inside man to a place of holiness. I have the responsibility of submitting and surrendering the inside man to a place where he becomes holy. Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 23 says it like this. Keep thy heart with all diligence. Again, when the Bible deals with the heart, uh, he is talking about the inner uh, man. Keep uh, thy heart. The fact that he says to keep thy heart uh, is an indicator to us uh, that you can lose uh, the captivity of your heart. uh, That you can lose possession uh, of your heart. Uh, As a matter of fact, one transliteration says uh, to guard uh, your uh, heart. Above all else. Now I've got to stop here because this uh, will be the premise of our lesson tonight. Uh, The Bible tells us uh, to keep our heart. uh, Don't just keep it, uh, but keep it with all diligence. You've got to be diligent about keeping your heart. If you're going to keep your heart holy, you've got to be diligent about it. If you're going to keep your heart holy, then you've got to guard your heart. And the Bible says to guard it above all things. That means your primary job is to protect and guard the inner man. If you are going to be holy, if you are going to live a life of holiness, then you have got to guard your spirit. You have got to guard your heart. You have got to guard the inner man. Tell your neighbor, I'm guarding my heart. Keep thy heart with all diligence. For out of it are the issues of life. Pay attention to guard the inner man. We don't want to just have an appearance of being right with God. We want to be right with God. 
I'm going to say that again because there's too many churches uh, and people who are all right uh, as long as they look the part. Uh, they're okay as long uh, as they fit the dress standards. Uh, and they're okay uh, as long as they check the box. Uh, but we're not just interested uh, in looking right. Uh, we want to be uh, right with God. I'm not, come on somebody. Uh, we're not putting on costumes uh, for, uh, for, for an October celebration. Uh, we're not dressing up uh, to play the role of a Christian. Uh, we're not putting on our clothes uh, just so that we can be associated. Uh, but I want my heart uh, to match uh, what's on the outside. And you can often tell a lot about what is on the inside of somebody by what it takes to entertain them. You can often tell a lot about what is on the inside of somebody, even when the outside tells a different story by what they're attracted to. Amen. What's inside of them will testify of what is on the outside. And so 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse number 23 says it like this. I just got through my introduction. 1 Thessalonians 5 and 23 says, And the very God of peace sanctify you holy. Now, you'll remember from our previous lessons that the word sanctification means that you are set apart for the specific use of something. For example, if you walk into our bathroom at our place, you will find my toothbrush sitting on the countertop. And if I walked in one day and found somebody scrubbing the toilet with my toothbrush, I would be upset that that tool was being used for something that it was not intended for. And furthermore, that that tool belonged uh, to me. That's my personal uh, toothbrush. That's what sanctification means, uh, is that when you are redeemed by God, uh, he says, you now belong to me. Uh, and I don't want you being used uh, by the world. I don't want you uh, being used by the enemy uh, to do things uh, that you're not called to do uh, or designed to do. Uh, you are sanctified. And the very God of peace sanctify you how? Holy. And here it uses the spelling W-H-O-L-L-Y. That means God doesn't want just part of you. He wants all of you. You cannot dictate to God what parts of your life he can have and what parts he cannot have. God either wants all of you or he wants none of you. He's not going to share you with any other God. He's not going to share you with alcoholism. He's not going to share you with drug addiction. He's not going to share you with pornography. He's not going to share you with idolatry. If you're going to be God's, then he wants to 
sanctify you holy. You can't be a part-time Christian and a part-time pimp. You can't be a part-time Christian and a part-time hoodlum. If you're going to be God's property, you've got to be sanctified, holy. All of me belongs to God. Not just what you see, but what you don't see. My mind belongs to him. My spirit belongs to him. My emotions belong to him. The God of peace sanctify you holy. old apostolic song all of me some of y'all didn't get it page 47 in the old song and I pray listen and I pray God your whole say whole your whole spirit and soul And you can almost interchange those words for heart and mind and body. There it is, the whole man. I pray God, your spirit and your soul and your body be preserved. What a powerful use of words there because to preserve something means to keep it from decaying. The natural process is that when you are born in sin and shaped in iniquity, there is a decay of the soul and the spirit and the body. But when you get the Holy Ghost, the power of regeneration preserves you. The power of the Holy Ghost uh, keeps your mind from rotting out. Uh, it keeps your spirit from the dregs uh, of rotten sin. Uh, it keeps, come on, somebody. Uh, I pray God your whole uh, body, soul, uh, and spirit be uh, preserved. Uh, tell your neighbor, God's a keeper. Uh, God will keep you from losing your mind. Uh, God will keep you from getting twisted. Uh, God will keep you from being emotionally a basket case. Oh, can I stop and preach here? That's why it's not the will of God for you to speak in tongues on Sunday and have a nervous breakdown on Monday. That's why it's not the will of God for you to speak in tongues on Sunday and on Wednesday you're two snaps and a twist telling somebody off. That's not the will of God. When you get the Holy Ghost, God's a regulator. He'll help you regulate your mind. He'll help you regulate the inner man. He'll give you peace that passes all understanding. He'll give you temperance to control your anger and control your tongue. What's he doing He's preserving your whole body, soul, and your mind, your spirit. Belongs to God. Next time you want to cuss somebody out, I belong to Jesus. I'll speak blessing and not cursing. 
See, I can't get an amen from some of y'all because some of y'all done cussed somebody out last week. But I tell you right now, you need to learn to speak blessing uh, and not cursing. Uh, why? Because I've got the, I'm holy. Uh, I'm, I don't talk the way I used to talk. Uh, I don't speak that kind of a language anymore. Uh, why? Because my thoughts uh, are not, I don't think like I used to think. Uh, I don't hate people like I used to. Oh, let me stop and preach there for a moment because I know apostolics that'll speak in tongues on Sunday and their testimony on Wednesday is, I hate people. I can't stand people. That ain't the Holy Ghost talking inside of you, baby. Uh, people are the apple of God's eye. Uh, it's the reason he gave his life uh, on a cross. Uh, as a matter of fact, the entire kingdom of God uh, hinges on two commandments. Uh, love God uh, and love people. Uh, if you've got the Holy Ghost, uh, God's going to sanctify uh, the way you think. Uh, he's going to give you a holy way of thinking, uh, a holy way of We're talking about the inner man tonight. Somebody said, if you got the Holy Ghost spoken tongues on Sunday, jump, shouted, kicked your heels, and then cut somebody out on Monday, that wasn't the Holy Ghost, that was ADHD. It ought to do more than make you want to shout. It ought to make you want to love your brother. See, you got to get past the pretty suit uh, and that cute dress you got on uh, to shout over this tonight. Uh, the Holy Ghost will make you do more than this uh, on Sunday night. Uh, it'll make you be polite uh, and smile at people. Uh, it'll make you be considerate of one another. Uh, it'll make you get rid of thoughts. Uh, oh, come on, I need some help uh, in the building. Uh, I'm preaching holiness uh, on the inside man tonight. See, they'll fool you, Brother Keith. Sunday night, they be. And telling you off on Wednesday. When you get the Holy Ghost, it'll start changing the inner man. See, y'all didn't know that was all right there in that first part of the scripture right there. That they be preserved. See, I can't get away from that word because when I see the word preserved, I think about wildlife preserves. They, they, they are areas that are designed where wildlife can be protected from intrusive and invasive things that would try to destroy them. And if you're going to have a holy mind, and if your inner man is going to be holy, you've got to guard it. That's what it means to preserve it. You've got to guard your thoughts. You got, I can't be thinking about stuff uh, that's going to lead me in a different direction than what God wants me to go. I can't expose myself uh, to elements of influence uh, that are going to cause me to want to do things uh, that I shouldn't be doing. I can't be putting myself uh, in situations uh, where I feel like being rebellious uh, instead of submitted and obedient. I, I, I can't. Uh, why? Uh, I've got to be preserved. 
preserved. You ought to tell the devil, my house is a holiness preserve. It's protected from intrusive demons. You spirit of hate, you can't live in my house. You spirit of division, you're not welcomed in my home. Why? Because I got to preserve my mind. I got to preserve my, get that junk out of my house. I've got to be holy. Be preserved. Blameless until the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. To enable my mind, heart, spirit, my inner man. How am I going to sanctify my heart and my mind? The scripture said it's going to take diligence. That means it's a daily task. And you don't take Mondays off. You got to be diligent about guarding your, and you don't go on vacation and forget about it. You got to be diligent. Hello. How am I going to sanctify? You've got to be diligent to guard it. Philippians chapter 4, verse number 5 says, Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful in nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Now listen to verse 7. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding... Uh, there's something about the peace of God that supersedes uh, your computational capabilities. Uh, there is something about the peace of God that goes beyond your reason and your logic uh, and your intelligence uh, and your education uh, and your social status. Uh, it goes beyond all of those things. The peace of God which passeth all understanding, listen, shall keep your hearts and minds. There it is. The writer said to keep your heart, guard your heart. How do we do it? Paul tells us right here that it's going to be the peace of God that keeps your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Are you ready tonight? If you're taking notes, write this down because when you get to verse 8, the scripture delineates for us a handful of things that define a filter by which we can purify the inner inside man. He says, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, Whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, my wife qualifies. That reminds me of that other old apostolic song. Isn't she lovely? Isn't it? Y'all never, that's too old for some of y'all. 
That's page 38. <laughs> Show me the lie. <laughs> Whatsoever things are of a good report. If there be any virtue and if there be any praise. So look at what God gives us. Are they true? Are they honest? Are they just? Are they pure? Is it lovely? Are they of a good report? Is there virtue and is there praise? Then think on these things. The discipline of your thought life is what brings the peace of God that's going to keep your heart. Some of y'all missing it. I'm giving you the answer right now. How do you keep your heart? How do you guard your heart? By guarding your thoughts. By guarding what you think about. Why? Because your thoughts are the gateway into your inner man. Your thoughts are the gateway into your heart. If you can guard your thoughts, you can guard your heart. If you can discipline your thoughts, I'm preaching better than some of y'all sound tonight. If you can guard what you think about, then you can have the peace of God that gives you. And the revelation is, you've got to keep it. Not your pastor. Not the bishop. Not your mama. Not your daddy. Not your brother. There's only one person uh, that has control and authority over your thoughts. Uh, and that is you. Uh, you've got to make up in your mind uh, that I'm going to be a keeper of my thoughts. Uh, you've got to make up in your mind. Uh, I'm tired of being ran roughshod uh, all up in my mind and my thoughts. Uh, I'm about to stand in the gate uh, of my mind uh, and take control uh, over what I think about. I just need about 10 people in the building tonight. I'm about to stand guard at the gate of my mind. If you ain't true, if you ain't honest, if it's not just, if it's not pure, if it's not lovely, if it's not of a good report, if there's no virtue, if there's no praise, it's not getting in my mind. I'm not going to entertain it. I'm not letting it get in my spirit. Why? Because my inner man has to be preserved, blameless. My inner man has to be holy. This is where holiness starts. Is the inner man. I refuse to let unholy thoughts enter my mind and my spirit. Oh, I feel like stopping here to preach and help somebody. Uh, you say, how do I stop it, Bishop? Uh, what am I supposed to do when those thoughts come to me? Uh, the Bible says that the weapons uh, of our warfare uh, are not carnal, uh, but they are mighty through God uh, to the pulling down uh, of strongholds. Uh, casting down uh, imaginations uh, and every high thing that exalteth uh, itself against the knowledge, bringing in uh, to captivity uh, every uh, thought uh, under the obedience. Uh, oh, you got to take your thoughts uh, 
captive. You got to walk around with a cage like the dog catcher and say, you nasty thought. You're not running around in my mind anymore. I'm putting you inside. You got to take it captive. I refuse to let my mind run around on me. I refuse to let those thoughts run wild through my heart and my spirit. If you're going to control your thinking, you've got to learn how to take your thoughts captive. Oh, you spirit of depression, you're going to be captivated tonight. Come on, you spirit of depression. I'm putting you in jail tonight. Come on, you spirit of fear. Come on, I'm going to preach to somebody. You spirit and thoughts of lust, I'm bringing you into captivity. If I got to fast until you fall down, if I got to pray until you bow your knees, I refuse to let those thoughts have control over my life. This is holiness preaching. You got to be diligent, Brother Albadassin. You got to go every day and say, where are those thoughts that want to lead me in the wrong direction? Not today, devil. And more powerfully, uh, not today, flesh. Ah, yeah. Sometimes you got to quit talking to the devil uh, and start commanding yourself. Uh, you got to understand he's not your real problem anyway. Uh, you got to start talking to your flesh. Uh, the devil's got you buffaloed uh, and you're over here rebuking him uh, when you should be rebuking your flesh. I just need 12 real saints in the in the building tonight uh, that understand you're your worst enemy. Uh, I just need 12 of y'all to be honest uh, and say if I could get a hold of myself, uh, I could be something for God. Uh, if I can just get myself in order, uh, if I could just get my own minds uh, in submission to God, uh, I could live the way uh, that God wants me. You have to keep your mind. You have to keep your thoughts. If you live in a home where there's influence that's not godly, you've got to be a keeper of your heart. When you walk in that house and they got that television rolling and all the filth of hell spewing out you've got to be a keeper of your mind you got to walk in and make up in your mind I will set no wicked thing before my eyes you got to drag yourself into your bedroom and pray until the Holy Ghost clears your thoughts come on I'm preaching about real holiness tonight When you're at that job and she starts blinking her eyes at you, you got to be diligent. Not today. Not today. I'm, I am who God says I am. I am who God, I'm not a victim. I'm a victor. I'm not, come on somebody, I refused. You've got to be the keeper. Because ungodly thoughts will eventually produce ungodly behavior. And as a man, 
thinketh in his heart. I'm back to my introduction. So is he. If I'm going to control who I am, then I've got to control my thoughts. Come here, Pastor Hammond. You see, if he, if he was an astronaut tonight, and I was standing next to him, what makes him an astronaut and me a non-astronaut? How many hands you got? I got two hands, too. How many noses you got? I got one, too. How many feet you got? I got two. How many toes you got? Ten? I got you beating that part. I'm kidding. I just got ten. I only got ten toes. Some of y'all want to see me. Take your shoes off. <laughs> the only difference between me and an astronaut is our thoughts. That's it. There's nothing else. Our inner man is the only difference. And it's what he exposed the inner man to. You see, what he exposed the inner man to uh, caused him to become. What he exposed the inner man to uh, made him from a non-astronaut uh, to an astronaut. Uh, and if we can understand that in the natural, uh, what could happen if you got the revelation uh, that your inner man, uh, what it's exposed to, uh, controls your identity. Uh, and it controls, come on, uh, as a man thinketh uh, in his uh, heart, uh, so uh, is. Uh, see, my biggest concern uh, is not what other people think about you. Uh, it's not what other people say about you you. Uh, my biggest concern is uh, how do you think about yourself uh, and what do you say uh, about yourself uh, because how you think about you uh, and what you say about you uh, will affect who you are and who you will because as a man thinketh and so if you have that revelation then you understand I've got to guard what my inner man is exposed to because whatever I expose him to will affect who I become. And I can't be holy if I keep exposing him to unholy things. I can't be what God wants me to be if I keep exposing the inner man uh, to ungodly things. I just need a witness uh, in the building in this place. And so after the writer gives us the list of things, the very next verse, verse number nine, he says this. Those things, tell your neighbor those things, which ye have both learned and received. Now I used to get confused when I read that, but I, I came to realize that not everything that people hear did they receive. Just because you said it doesn't mean they received it. Uh, come on, that's why I can preach a message. Uh, somebody will walk out blessed uh, and somebody else will walk out the same way they came in. Uh, they both heard it, uh, but one received it and one didn't. Uh, and the writer said, uh, if you're going to have victory in this area of life, uh, you've got to take those things uh, that were given to you, uh, both learned uh, and received uh, and heard uh, and seen in me. And then he gives us a little two-letter word. Do. <laughs> 
he ties obedience to this revelation. There are too many educated Christians who aren't doing what they've been taught. The only way it works is if you do what you're preached. If you do what you learned, if you do what you heard, uh, come on, uh, I don't care if you sit here for five hours while a preacher preaches to you, uh, if you don't take what's been given to you uh, and listen to it uh, and receive it uh, and then walk out of the building uh, and do uh, what God gave you, uh, then you'll never experience the power and transformation of his word. So you got to take those things that he gave you. And you got to do more than read them and make a little list on your notebook tonight. But when you walk out of the building, you got to put it into practice. And then the God of peace shall be with you. We want the peace of God to be with us. And we don't want to do anything. We want to be undisciplined in our thoughts and then wonder why we have no peace. Oh, I'm preaching real good tonight. We want to be undisciplined in what we expose ourselves to and then wonder why we can't feel the virtue of God in our lives anymore. No, 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 no. You've got to take what I've given you and you've got to do it. And when you learn how to filter your thoughts the way that I showed you, then the peace of God will be with you. Takes verse 7 and verse 9 and ties obedience to the peace of God with a commandment to put our thoughts through a filter. My mind is not a garbage can. When you really get the value of who you are, you'll quit subjecting yourself to nonsensical information. One of the ways I can tell people don't really have a revelation of their self-worth is by what they continually expose themselves to. You must think you're a trash can. And some of the junk that you're carrying isn't even your trash. You got it because of the people you're connected to. You got it because some of the relationships that you forged and you're doing your best to be what God wants you to be uh, but you're connected to sister girl over here uh, who's full of rebellion and bitterness uh, and you're exposing yourself uh, to that spirit over and over again uh, and wondering why uh, you can't get a breakthrough uh, and wondering why uh, you don't have victory uh, and wondering why uh, you're confused uh, because you're not being diligent uh, about guarding your heart heart. You keep exposing your heart. You got to learn how to love people, but limit their access in your life. Come on, I'm not talking about being hateful uh, and not loving them, uh, but you had better have some doors uh, that guard your heart uh, while you're being diligent. Uh, I can't afford to let what you're dealing with uh, seep into my spirit. Uh, I can't afford to let your unbridled tongue uh, affect my mind. Uh, I can't let your rebellious attitude uh, affect the peace of God. My peace is too important uh, for your drama. Uh, my peace, uh, I just need a witness in the building. Uh, have 
having the peace of God in my life uh, is more important. And if you got to make me pick uh, between our friendship uh, and the peace of God, it's the peace of God every day, baby. Uh, if you're going to make me pick uh, between the peace of God and my connection to you, it's going to be the peace uh, of God every time. to be diligent my mind belongs to God there's an overemphasis in our society concerning open mindedness people are so open minded their brains are falling out on the floor I'm sorry that's not scriptural that's a bunch of psycho babble I'm, I don't have an open mind. I have a sanctified mind. And it's got a gate and a door uh, that I guard diligently. Uh, and before you ever know, it ain't open, baby. Uh, before you get to my mind, uh, you got to run through a filter. Uh, is it honest? Oh, it's not honest? Uh, then my mind's not open to it. Uh, oh, it's not a good report? Uh, then I'm sorry, my mind. Uh, I just need some help in the building. Uh, then my mind isn't open to it. Uh, is it unholy? Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm not open-minded to it. Uh, I've got a door on my mind. Uh, and I'm guarding the door with diligence. Why? Because I've got to be holy. Because God is a holy God. Be open-minded. I don't read no scripture about being open-minded. I do read a scripture that says to gird up the loins of your mind. And so, is this all right tonight? I promise you, I'm, I'm going to break this up into pieces. I'm going to try to preach it all tonight. <laughs> and so Matthew chapter 5, verse 27 says this. Ye have heard that it was said by them of old time that thou shalt not commit adultery. He did not erase that statement. He did not marginalize it. But he takes it a step further. And he says, but I say unto you, that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. That's how concerned God is with the inside inner man. That if the, the inner man commits the sin. It doesn't matter if it's carried out by the outer man. God's still going to hold you accountable for it. You might avoid the judgment of man by restraining the action, but God's not just looking at the outer man. God's going to judge the thoughts and the intent of the heart. I just need some, this is what I'm talking about. Some of y'all, you, you think you can fool God by your appearances, but God said, I see the heart. I see the inner man. As a matter of fact, the Bible says concerning the word of God that it's like a sword, that it's, it's, it's a saber of life unto life, death unto death. Uh, the Bible says that it is a divider uh, of the soul uh, and the spirit uh, and the joint and the marrow uh, and is a discerner uh, of the thoughts uh, and the intent uh, of the heart. Uh, when man can't figure you out, uh, God's got your number. Uh, when you got everybody else fooled, uh, God's got your number. 
And so you can look good on the outside and be unholy on the inside. If it was done in the heart, God said, you've committed adultery already. Let me stop and preach about this. Because there is a damnable heresy circulating the church world, and yea, even in Pentecost, concerning homosexuality that says you can be a homosexual as long as you don't carry out the act and still be saved. I can still have unnatural attraction and, and, and I can facilitate and accept that as my identity as long as I never carry it out. Well, I think the word that we read, I'll, I'll take that word over the psycho babble of, of people any day. If you've got it in your heart, uh, God said you better repent about it. Uh, if you're lusting a man after a man, uh, you're committing uh, just like that man can commit uh, adultery in his heart. Uh, you can commit homosexuality. You can come on. Uh. Let me uh, see. I can't get some of y'all to shout. Maybe I'll get you right here. See, you can smile on the outside, but if on the inside you hate your brother. I thought I'd get a lot less amens than that. I, I knew it'd get a little bit quieter. You can smile and wear your pretty dress and sing in the choir, but if your inside man has hate in your heart, baby, you'll bust hell wide open with your Pentecostal poof. Brother, if you got hot in your heart against somebody, you'll bust hell wide open in your three-piece suit and those Gucci loafers you've been God cares about the inside man. This ain't about keeping up appearances. This ain't about fitting into your little social club or your circle of friends or belonging. No, 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 no. He said, be ye holy, for I am holy. God was so serious about protecting your mind. That here's what he says, if you keep reading in verse 29, listen. He said, and if thy right eye offend thee, pluck it out and cast it away from thee. That's how, that's how adamant he was about protecting thee. Now, don't none of y'all go out of church tonight and call me to meet you at the ER because you took your eyeball out because you were thinking, you were looking at something you should have been looking. Don't come to church on Sunday with a, with a pirate's patch on your eye because Bishop preached on Tuesday. Understand the anthropomorphic expression that the writer is using to carry a point to us. The bottom line is he's dealing with the five senses. He's dealing with collectors of information. Anybody remember information from our last lessons? Things that form you. Information. They form who you are. How, how do they form the inner man? Because they have access through gateways. The five senses. What you see brings information. That's why you can't just look at anything and it not affect who you are on the inside. Am I in the right church tonight? 
That's why you can't just listen to anything and it not form and shape. You're trying to be holy, but you have unholy information coming into the inner man that is working against the holiness of God that's in your life. And if you're going to be holy, you've got to guard your heart. That means you've got to guard your senses. That means you've got to guard what you listen to. And you've got to guard what you put in front. I just need a witness in the building. You've got to guard what you put in front of your eyes. If your eye offends you, plug it out. For it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. And if thy right hand, here we are, the the sense of touch, offend thee, cut it off and cast it from thee. There are gateways into your heart. Jesus said, if you look upon her, And lust, it's as if you already did it. We're not talking about adultery tonight. We're talking about holiness. That's why I've got to have the filtration. If it's not pure, then I can't let it get into my thoughts. How do I keep it from my thoughts? I keep it out from in front of my eyes. How do I protect my thoughts? I keep it out of my ears. When I receive the Holy Ghost, I don't walk around all day listening to Snoop Dogg. Come on, somebody. I'm going to come back and preach some more of this later. When I got the Holy Ghost, I don't walk around listening to Beyonce. Who openly admits that she is possessed by demons on stage and uses foul rated X language. No, no, no. You can't put that in your ears and it not affect you being a holy person. Come on, I'm preaching. When you get the Holy Ghost, something inside of you understands. I can't listen to that anymore. That's why I can't sit down and watch the stuff that Hollywood is putting out because it's anti-God. And it's anti, come on. uh, Why? Because uh, I've got to be holy. And so, I'm almost done. Music, come and give them hope. It's only 917 if you're taking medicine. You got to take it in 13 more minutes. Go take a medicine, just come on back, Gwen. And ain't nobody mad at you. And if it's a sleeping pill, just don't snore. <laughs> I'm almost done. And so, when you get over to the book of Romans, chapter 1, verse number 18, it says this For the wrath of God. Now, how many of you understand the difference between the anger of God? And the wrath of God. Anger is an emotion. The Bible says, be ye angry and sin not. It separates action from emotion. Anger is the action. The wrath of God is the action of God that is associated with the emotion of anger. So it's one thing for God to be angry, but when you talk about the wrath of God, it is what God did because he's mad at you. You mess with my wife... I'm going to be 
mad at you. That's my anger. But then if you keep messing, I'm going to swing on you. That's my wrath. <laughs> it's what I did because of my anger. <laughs> For the wrath. Somebody say the wrath. Are you understanding the context of this? Things, listen, things that make God so angry that he takes action against them in his anger. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven. Everything that comes from heaven isn't just rainbows and blessings. I fear that we've spent so much time in church uh, talking about the windows of heaven uh, pouring out blessings uh, that we forgot we serve a God uh, that you can get angry uh, who also will bring wrath uh, from the you don't believe it uh, just go have a discussion with Noah uh, about the wrath of God uh, just go talk to Lot uh, who lost his wife and children uh, because of the wrath uh, of God What some people call Christianity today is not biblical Christianity. It's a bunch of social club people wanting a feel-good religion. They couldn't even go to Jesus' church. They'd, never, they'd backslide first service. They'd walk out and be offended. They'd put him on church milk and make fun of him. Because Jesus walked up in the house and started whipping folk. What was that? It was his wrath. They made him angry enough that he took action and started turning over the money tables. See, some of y'all couldn't handle Jesus' ministry. The wrath of God revealed from heaven, listen, against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Now, I don't have time to exegete the entire text. I'm going to hit the highlights of this. Verse number 19 says, Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made. We call that in theology the ontological evidence of God. Without a scripture, without anything, you are going to be without excuse that there is a God and that he is a holy God and that he is the creator and you are the creation. Even his eternal power and Godhead. Brother Donnelly, nature and creation of it itself declares the oneness of God. Prove it to me. The Bible says uh, concerning man that we are made uh, in the likeness uh, and the image uh, of God. Uh, I am me, uh, and there's only one me. Uh, me, myself, and I uh, are not three separate people. Uh, we're one person. Uh, I'm a father, uh, and I'm one man. Uh, I'm a son, uh, and I'm one man. Uh, I'm a pastor. Uh, I'm one man. Uh, what does that mean? Uh, even nature itself uh, declares the oneness. I'm made in the image of God. Uh, 
And if he was a triune being, then I would be a triune being. Because uh, I'm made in the image of God. But I'm not a triune being. Uh, I am three parts, uh, body, soul, uh, and spirit. Uh, and I'm one person uh, standing before you today. Uh, the earth declares uh, the oneness of God. Bible says so that they are without excuse. Listen. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God. Neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations. I wish I had time to preach all of this because if you study the etymology of the word imagination, it's from the root word, the Latin word imagio, which means image. We learn, we know about the imagio Dei, Jesus, the image of God, the express image of his glory. Imagination, imagio, imagination means to create an image that you, you fantasize about becoming. They became vain in their mind the inner man and their foolish heart there's the inner man was darkened how was their heart darkened by their vain imagination if you're going to keep your heart you've got to guard your imagination you can't let your imagination become vain imagination that's why we preach so vehemently about Hollywood because it is the manifestation of the evil imagination of men. They take evil and wicked imagination and manifest it on a screen and manifest it in a story and manifest it with imagery. And when you constantly expose yourself to that, you are affecting her. Your heart becomes darkened by the vain imagination of mankind. Verse 22, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man. Idolatry. Listen, and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. The Bible says in one place that they worshiped the creation more than the creator. Placing more value on the animals than the glory of God. I don't have time to get into all of that. Verse 24, wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lusts of their own hearts. Listen, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. This is the culmination of vain imagination and dark hearts. Eventually, their bodies succumbed to the evil. Who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Listen. For this cause, God gave them up unto vile affections. That word vile just means filthy affections. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. There's not a day that goes by that the news feeds aren't filled 
with the topic of gender reassignment and changing the nature of a woman. Changing the nature of a man. <laughs> For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men leaving the natural use of the woman burned in their lust one toward another. Men with men working that which is unseemly and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meet. Now you tell me what's hate speech. Me trying to rescue people from the judgment of God or people trying to make them feel comfortable while they're, going, while they're burning in a death. Part of the reason, let me, let me just stop here for a moment. Part of the reason that God speaks this way concerning homosexuality and lesbianisms, lesbianism, is because it is a mockery of the nature of God. The Bible says this, be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. The law of harvest is a fixed principle of God. It is so powerful that in all of creation, God never creates things twice. He creates it once with the ability to reproduce itself. He, he creates trees one time. But within that tree is the seed and the womb and the ability to reproduce itself. Even when he destroys the earth, he leaves a remnant and a seed. And his first commandment to Noah is to go and replenish the earth why? It's the law of harvest, seed time and harvest. And when a man and a man get together, they are operating outside of the natural use and they are mocking God because there is no reproduction cycle when a man is with a man. There is no reproduction cycle. when They, they want to mock God so bad that they're doing everything in medical science possible to try and say, I told you a man could have a baby. I told you a woman Come on, somebody. It is a mockery to the nature of God. God said, I hate these things. We just read it. He's describing the things that bring his wrath from the heavens. We just preached about it Sunday. Sodom and Gomorrah. And even as they did not like to retain God, in their knowledge. Don't preach that kind of message, preacher. Don't preach that kind. Don't tell us about that, Jesus. Don't tell us about that, God. God gave them over to a reprobate mind. That word reprobate means void of judgment. The inability to judge right and wrong. I'm going to come back to that in a moment. God gave them over to a reprobate mind. To do those things which are not convenient. Being filled, listen, here's a li another list. Are you ready? Being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, 
covetousness, maliciousness, envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, hello, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, it's quite a list, who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death. That's the wrath of God. But here's where I I want to zero in a little bit. Not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. God said, my wrath is not only reserved for those that do those things, but for those who find their form of entertainment in those things. You would never tolerate a murderer in your home. But you'll let your kids grab that game system and virtually murder people by the hundreds in a first-person shooter game as a form of entertainment. It's quieter than a church mouse in the building right now. Remember I told you you can tell a lot about what's in a person by what entertains them. If you are entertained by murder, there should be something convicting you on the inside of your heart. I can't get no help in this Holy Ghost church. Are you saying that I shouldn't have those kind of games? I'm saying if you call yourself a Christian and you have the Holy Ghost, you shouldn't have those kind of games in your house where you, your children, or anybody else is spending time just murdering people virtually. Why? Because it's the inner man. The inner man is committing the murder over and over again. Whether or not you ever grab a real gun and kill somebody. Did you know that Almost 100% of the mass shootings that happen, that when they do the research, those young men are addicted to first-person shooter games. All that was was a manifestation. Uh, They entertain it for so long with the inner man that eventually no Christian has any business doing that kind of thing. No problem. You you would never let somebody walk in your house and begin having intimacy in the living room in front of your family. But you'll sit in front of a screen watching a Hollywood movie where it happens and be entertained by it. Woo! (laughs) Y'all was shouting on that last song tonight before we started preaching. Where, Where did all my shouters go tonight? You can't leave church on Tuesday. How can I forget? How can I forget? And tomorrow morning be saying, when the pig try to get at you, drop it like. See, some of y'all don't even know. God said, my problem isn't just with the people committing the sin. 
but it's in people who find entertainment in what they're doing. And if you're going to be holy, the inner man cannot be entertained by that kind of stuff. Come on, somebody. I said the inner man cannot be entertained. God said, not only those that do those things, but those that have pleasure in them that do them. I'm almost done, I promise you. And if you skip to chapter 2 and you remove the parenthetical separation between, between chapter 1 and 2, you understand when the Bible's written there was no chapters. They just do that to, to try and separate the changing of thought. So if you remove that, the writer just continues on in chapter 2. And he says this, therefore, considering everything I just said, therefore, thou art inexcusable, O man, whosoever thou art that judgest. Now listen. Don't be like these churches who take scriptures out of context and say, ooh, 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 see? You're not supposed to judge. Read the whole Bible. Read the whole chapter. <laughs> Rightly divide the word. The writer isn't condemning judgment. He's condemning, condemning hypocrisy. Read on with me. Thou art inexcusable, O man, whosoever thou art that judgest. For wherein thou judgest another, thou condemn thyself. Why? For thou that judgest dost the same things. There's his contention. You get up and preach against sin, but you're entertained by it. You, you get up and preach and stand against. How, how can you save a world that is bound by sin when you're entertained by the sin they're bound in? How can you be a church that pulls people out of the traps of hell when you're entertained by the traps of hell? Come on, somebody. I'm talking about the inner man tonight. Holiness starts with guarding and keeping your heart. Let's stand all over this house. Holiness starts with me understanding that God is sanctifying me. God is calling me. And I can't afford, hear me, somebody. I can't afford to miss being what God wants me to be because I'm not guarding my heart. I can't miss uh, the anointing that God has for me uh, because I'm not guarding my mind, because I'm not guarding my spirit. If I'm going to be holy, uh, it starts with the inner man. It starts with me guarding my heart. Uh, if it's not holy, uh, if it's not pure, uh, if it's not true, uh, if it doesn't have virtue, then God, uh, I can't entertain it. Uh, I can't let it get in my thoughts. Uh, I can't let it become my actions uh, and my behavior. Come on, all over this building. I know it's Bible study tonight, uh, but I wonder if we could step out of our seat uh, and for just a few moments this morning uh, or tonight, if we could lift our hands uh, in the presence of God uh, and for the next few moments, uh, just let the word of the Lord settle in our spirit. Uh, come on, for the next few moments. Uh, come on, God, uh, I've got too much at stake. Uh, I haven't been diligent guarding my heart. Uh, I haven't been diligent guarding my mind. Uh, I haven't been, come on. Uh, you're a gatekeeper for your children. You're a gatekeeper for your babies. You're a gatekeeper for your family. Come on, mama. Come on, daddy. You got to guard diligently. Come on. Don't let an appetite be developed in your babies. Don't let an appetite be developed. Come on, lift up your voice. Come on, lift up your hands. Lift up your heart. Take my heart. Come on, somebody pray tonight. And mold it, take my mind.
Come on. Transform it, God. Do it in this service, God. Conform my will, God. Come on, somebody lift up your voice. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Take my heart. Oh. Lord, take my mind. My mind. Lord, take my will. Come on, lift up your voice. Yes, Jesus. To yours. Come on, come on. Take my heart and more. Take my mind. Lord, transform it. Come on, somebody pray. I gotta be holy, God. I've gotta be holy, God. I've gotta be holy, God. To yours. Hey. Come on, lift up both of those hands tonight and declare it. Take my heart, take my heart and mold it. Take my mind, my mind, transform it. Take my will, take my will, conform it to yours, to yours. Come on, lift up your voice in this place tonight. Come on now.